This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Daryl DeCruz, who is the founder and director of Hexton. So Daryl, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Carl. Looking forward to a fun chat with you. Yeah, good, good. Um, So where we always start, Daryl, as I'm sure you know, is we ask all of our guests to kind of give an account of themselves, a brief introduction into, I guess, their background and, and journey to date, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I'm smiling a little bit right now, Carl, because my uh, my story is kind of kind of fun and interesting as we start off. Yeah. I got into data, um, and I think it started when I was back as when I was back in the '80s when I was a kid. Um, apart from you know the infamous gaming machines of the '80s, like the classic Atari 800, um, <laughs> there was a film by um, a company called Paramount Pictures in 1986, and it was about a boy who had superhuman mental and physical powers, right? So this boy was artificially intelligent and his name was Daryl. And it's an acronym. (laughs) And it it stands for the Data Analyzing Robot Youth Lifeform. So, you know, I didn't become an an analyst, a data analyst until my 20s. Um, So perhaps there was something subliminal about it in all that that pivoted my career. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I've been in the data industry since since then, um, worked across the world between Europe, um, Asia, Australia, back to Europe again. And I've worked in organizations large and small. So one thing that remains consistent throughout is that the roles within these organizations typically sit within the marketing function and they have a pull towards retail and product consumers as well. So thinking about product, thinking about markets, um, thinking about customer experiences and associated business outcomes. And the, yeah, the missions are quite interesting. So the companies I've worked with um, have used, utilized data to help their customers look good and feel great. And that's apparel um, to help customers make the most of their leisure time um, and enhance convenience and foster smarter lifestyles with technology. Um, and there's been this theme around um, around what I'm doing, obviously from a data perspective, CRM, there's loyalty programs, um, analytics, e-commerce, digital marketing, business intelligence, and more broadly around the whole marketing and business effectiveness piece. My last role was at Samsung Europe, um, where I led the team to uh, a couple of data IQ awards in 2019 and 2020. That was for the Smart BI program. And yeah, in December, I launched Hexton, um, the data consultancy. So a little bit about myself to start us off, Kyle. Yeah, nice. No, thank you very much for, for that great insight. So I guess let's jump into Hexton then. Obviously, you, you've given yourself a, a great account there of your journey. And I think obviously the, the whole thing that you did at Samsung was, was brilliant, um, but always fascinates me being a business owner myself, why people decide to take that leap and, and go into that. So Give us a bit more info about Hexton and you know what you guys do and I guess you know why why you decide to to go down that route and launch a business yourself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start with the definition. So Hexton stands for the human experience with data on side. And it's the consultancy that helps omnichannel or pure play retail businesses to deliver greater value across the data value chain. Um, there's a clear focus on business outcomes with people at the heart. And I launched it because I think there's this entrepreneurial drive inside me that, that needed to be um, explored. Um, and there's also a sense of adventure as well, I have to say. Um, but yeah, there's a desire to support businesses I care about. And um, obviously, as the data industry grows and it matures, there's a big opportunity there. Um, so yeah, I think the business businesses in general, they need to focus on people as an asset as much as data and technology too. So I really wanted to um, step into that. And I'm also an angel investor. So um, yeah, I understand what small business and, and growth is like. It's worth adding one of my um, projects at the moment is actually with the NHS, a bit of consulting I'm doing with them and uh, Horsa Group, the partner that I have. Um, there's the NCDR portal, National Commissioning Data Repository, and I'm helping them to better, better get to grips with how they can make that more effective. Um, so yeah, that's people, that's data, um, and that's part of what Hexen's all about. So yeah, it's about you know helping organizations with their business vision, their mission, through use of data, um, and really bring to life data strategy, data literacy, before then going on to BI analytics, knowledge management. Very good. Now I think there's there's a whole host in there that you know I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into as we kind of travel through the the podcast. But yeah, I think um, I think the whole trying to connect the people piece back to this is is so important because and I think you know we spoke about this offline right when you know a lot of the topics and challenges that we have in our industry you can almost always trace them back to there being some kind of cultural shift or change or behavioral change required for for us to get the most out of data and ultimately the people you know it comes down to people who are responsible for doing that right so trying to tie the two together is is hugely fascinating to me i guess and especially in my line of work which is also all people based so i guess when we're talking about humanizing data then um what are we actually talking about here yeah it's really interesting um i like the way you articulated that i think that's bang on um the underlying meaning behind humanizing data is to make data quite simply more relatable to the masses. It's about connecting people and enriching their experiences. Um, It's about being people-centric as well. So we're obviously moving in a really fast pace at the moment, enabled by data or technology. But, you know, why do we need to humanize data? It's because despite the fact that there's been a lot of investment in data and technology, we do know, you know, we talk about this in the industry, that projects still fail, too many still fail. And we need to bang the drum on this. We need to keep banging the drum for the data vision that needs to be aligned to the business vision. You know, we need to see teams more closely aligned with each other and we need to see more buy-in. So, you know, we do that by thinking about how to tap into our needs as humans. It's our wants and our needs relating to what's in it for the individual, but also as well as the collective, that's the real why. Um, and to build on that a little bit, if you give an example, if you have an example of, say, an Excel to BI transformation at a simplistic level, you know, why do I need to move from Excel to Tableau or to Click or to Power BI, for example? Well, let's show you that you're actually in Excel hell because you've actually learned to survive in that space that's not right. We can actually allow you to thrive by moving to this new world, which is lighter, it's brighter. It's like there's a refreshing breeze on a summer's day and you can quickly answer the business questions and act on the insight. And then you can demonstrate your knowledge in the domain 
And that helps the business reach its goals, which in turn helps you reach your MBOs and perhaps your bonus too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then there's like the, um, the notion of insight to action. Um, I always explain that data is whatever you make of it. Of course, it t- the data turns to value when it's contextualized. And that value increases when it's acted upon, um, especially more when, there's, you know, when it's done at speed and with confidence as well. Yeah. And then, of course, there's storytelling. Um, you know, we, we love a good story. And especially uh, when it touches on our hearts and minds, there's obviously the story art that we speak of in, in classic Disney storytelling, um, and it's a motivator. Um, and when, when, you, when you add that storytelling narrative to the way we look at data, so looking back to what has happened, um, it's descriptive, and then looking ahead to what will happen in the future, predictive, and then prescriptive too, it's about bringing that together with the storytelling arc. So it's the journey, it's the emotion, the identity, and brands do this really well. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of obviously humanizing data, there's um, there's also the element of data literacy as well, um, which is another topic I can go into at depth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it fascinates me because, I mean, as with a lot of the podcasts to do, Daryl, if I'm being really candid, a lot of this stuff that we talk about seems so logical right you know we're kind of like we're just trying to trace this back fundamentally to to a kind of you know almost human psychology right of why why should a human being be bothered or to to do anything really but in this instance and you know we're talking about the use of data and obviously you know the speak around data analytics and its importance within organizations that's you know blown up over the last 10 years even more so five years and you know it's it's on the tip of everyone's tongue and everyone's becoming data driven and everyone wants organizations that are data literate but fundamentally when you trace all that back it's you know we're we're still kind of i feel sometimes not getting beneath the surface enough just to understand a why we're trying to do this and b what it actually takes you know and we're often organizations are trying to go on that journey and it becomes you know it's just i don't know i mean i see it all the time but it, it seems to me to me from the outside looking in that it's it, it's a lot more difficult than it probably should be and i get the feeling and i know we're going to delve into this but you know the whole data literacy piece evidently plays such a huge part in all of this so i guess if you can highlight the the role that data literacy plays within, you know, being able to humanize data, where does that rank for you? And how do you go about kind of, you know, getting to that point where you start to see some, some change? Yeah. Data literacy is, um, is a really interesting one, right? So there are some people in the industry talking about it. And I think in our, especially in our space, you're seeing it on LinkedIn every single, every single day that I log in. Um, And it's, you know, it's really something as a theme that's really growing. Um, we know it's important and it's something we need to spread the message off across all the industries and the organizations within them because it affects how we work, how our business results come about, but it's also the fabric of experiences across our communities as well. And, you know, while we could talk about organizations, it's actually very much become front and center, especially with the pandemic. Um, and actually, before we get into to data literacy, um, there's something else I came across a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was, uh, it's an organization called Turn On The Subtitles. And I met a guy called Henry Warren, who is the founder. And he presented some really, really simple insight that I can't um, not take the opportunity to mention. Turning on the subtitles, this is when we're watching TV as kids, right? So turning on the subtitles can double the chances of a child becoming good at reading. 
So it's super important for every parent. I did a survey on some of my friends who have kids and it was about 50% that knew about this. Um, so really fascinating. You know, I wish I had my parents put teletext on when I was a kid every time that <laughs> I uh, watched the cartoons. But, you know, let's, let's go back to data literacy. Um, it's about the ability to read, to understand, to create and communicate data with information, all of which are innately human verbs, right? And the way I describe it is that it's not binary. It's a spectrum, much like the journey you might go on when you're learning a new language, Italian, French, Spanish, whatever. And there are also domains of knowledge as well from a data literacy perspective. Um, I talk about financial data literacy. And I think back to um, when I was a student, I remember NatWest offering me 50 pounds for signing up with them rather than one of their competitors. And I really wish that they just gave me a little bit of information about what financial data literacy was, not to take a credit card out and pay high fees. And actually the notion of compounding when it comes to drinking all those beers at the student union, for example, <laughs> if I save some of that money and invest some of it, perhaps 20 years later, the compounding might have, might've been really worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, organizations, there's data academies. So um, I was a chair of judges um, for data IQ last year under people and culture, um, the work, the stream there. And it was really clear that organizations are investing a lot into this space. So not only to nurture and grow internal talent, but also to attract as well. And this is part of the, the, the human experience of data, right? It's about learning experiences. And then there's the ethical perspective. So um, more and more people understand and work with data, which means that there's more importance on the ethics behind it, operating ethically. And another one is, you know, across the whole population of, let's say, the UK, if we all understand and have a little bit more um, or level up in terms of data literacy, we have more confidence. And then we can actually hold some of the companies that have our data to account. Brands, for example, you know when a brand delivers you a great experience based on the data that you have. And you can really tell, it's really clear in the obvious when brands don't. Um, one example of a really human experience, we have, um, we have Mother's Day coming up uh, this weekend. And I think it was Marks and Spencer's that emailed me to say that we know Mother's Day can be a really sensitive time for some people. Uh, we want to give you the option to opt out of communications um, if it is sensitive to you. I just thought that was a really touching way of a brand using my data to communicate with me and do it in a way that's really positive and where I'm in control as a customer. So, yeah, I think bottom line with all this is that, you know, being more data literate as an organization or a community or a nation means that we have more common understanding, which means we're actually more empowered in, every, in our everyday lives, whether we're reading, understanding it, creating it or acting on it, which is, um, which is obviously part of the human condition. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes without question, right, that as generations go by, we're getting more data literate. We're so much more technologically savvy, you know, um, than our parents were and their parents were and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I guess it's, it's just one of them things that's going to keep evolving. Um, but I guess if we're talking about this from an organizational perspective in terms of organizations wanting to, you know, maximize the value that they can get from their data, obviously there's such a big play in, you know, getting everybody 
on that journey, right? It's not just about having a data analytics team and they go off and do what they want to do because ultimately, you know, we hear the word buying now, right? Is that's become its yeah. own buzzword. We talk about it that much, but um, you know, so, so that buying is ev- evident and it's not just from the decision makers and the people that are putting the money in. It's the people that work in the business day to day, right? The people that use the data, the people that input data. So there's such a, you know, there's such an importance around having everyone understand the benefits of why we do what we do and what we're hoping to achieve and the knock-on effects it has. You know, if you put this data, you know, if you don't put something here in the system right, you know, your your friend across the hall is having to figure that out, you know, two days later and, and stuff like that. So there's such an importance on the data literacy piece. And I think, as you said, this whole academy concept is starting to really take off. I mean, I've spoken to lots of organizations over the last 12 months who are looking to put this in and initially i think that concept started out as you know it's a way for them to attract maybe more junior talent and help to train and develop them but what they've quickly realized is that there's more of an emphasis or an equal amount of emphasis needed on the fact of you know we can help to upskill our staff our users our stakeholders our execs from a literacy standpoint so i guess in terms of literacy does does literacy humanize data or does humanizing data improve literacy? If you get what, what I'm saying. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> oh, I'll have to think about that one. Um, I think it goes hand in hand. I think it goes hand in hand. I think let, let's break it down a little bit. I think a better understanding of data, of course, it arms us with the confidence in the relevant data domains that can improve our work life or our personal life. And I obviously gave the example of finance earlier. Um, and if we think of um, humanizing data, so I'm wearing uh, an aura ring, I'm wearing a, a smartwatch as well. And, you know, it's enabled me to become more literate with the biohealth data that I'm capturing. Um, so I'm tracking heart rate, um, heart rate value, HRV, um, sleep scores and things like that. And I use it to optimize my workouts, but also how I'm sleeping and how I can improve my sleep score and readiness scores as well. So I think, yeah, in answer to your question, I think they're both equally important. I'm not going to put one ahead of the other, Kyle, but that's what you're asking me to do. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> to, to, to keep you on the spot for a second then, I guess within an organisation, have you found that there's, there's typically a better way of uh, addressing this? Because I think, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here, but, you know, we're getting to that point now where this whole literacy piece is becoming such a kind of key milestone in businesses really achieving what they want through the use of data that this whole literacy piece has become the kind of go-to, right? We need a more literate, data literate workforce. And uh, I guess my concern is that we're almost going to kind of shove it down their, you know, people's throats a bit too much and there's going to be a kind of a big rebellion against this. Whereas, you know, the bit that you've spoken around about just making it more human, um, you know, I think that approach may, you know, just again, thinking out loud logically, but that may, that may serve a better purpose really. Yeah. But have, have you, have you got kind of any, any insight or examples as to what has worked well for you in terms of, you know, trying to humanize the data to improve literacy or, or maybe the other way around? Um, I think there are, there are a few steps to take, right? So with Hexton, what I'm speaking to companies about now is how they can go about improving their data maturity and of course, underpinning that is a common understanding of what data means and the, the use cases that deliver the value 
back to the business. And what's what's transpiring is that um, we need to implement learning management systems. So we have this for health and safety, for things like GDPR. But actually, this is a really great platform, especially when we're all working in this hybrid or work from home model at the moment, an opportunity to create great content, put it onto a learning management platform and engage your teams to, to upskill over time. And, you know, these are sort of things you can build into your MBOs. You can um, have team events around it as well um, and really drive people to go through the motions of, of upskilling. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a really important one. And you can you can actually, um, if it's done right and done well, bring your leaders of the business in to uh, helping you create the content that's required. You know, it's a one minute. Well, sorry, it's a one video, maybe a five minute um, snip from your CEO or data leader, and then you can go around the business and talk to key stakeholders there to get their buy in. And then once that's on the platform, you've got a really rich. Um, and relevant, contextually relevant um, set of assets that you can drive literacy and understanding and awareness of throughout your business. Mm. Yeah. It, out of interest, it, what what type of things can you typically find in there if a, if a company was to go down that route of creating that kind of e e learning environment? I guess to to improve literacy, is there are there any kind of highlights in terms of what you'd typically find in there for you know to be upskilling the the, the workforce? It, there's a whole mix, a whole mix. It depends on um, the the use cases you have. Um, so from a leadership perspective, I guess the, the topics are quite general. So why do we need to to invest in, in data literacy? What are, what are, where is the data vision? Essentially, it's got to tie in exactly with the business vision and the mission as well. Uh, but then when you get down to the detail, you can bring in things like, okay, what's the tech stack all about? Um, Chief Martech has um, a great example where they bring in, I think, something like 8,000 marketing technology companies onto a page. If you can distill that and put your own your own tech stack on, it really brings to life what's available for your company to, to utilize. Hmm. And, of course, the data flows through that, as do the use cases. Then you can break down the use cases um, and go into different areas of the business that are relevant. If there are specific technologies, maybe it's Click or Tableau or... Um, or a more sophisticated uh, platform, you can deep dive into those as well. But those are typically the areas that we would focus on. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Outside of the data analytics industry, Daryl, and, and I guess, you know, I think I feel that data analytics can can often be viewed as a bit of a bland topic. And I know that when we spoke offline, I kind of used the 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 example of, you know, three or four years ago when I started to create a, a community around an event series the uh, the initial concept was i wanted to go and get executives from across various organizations and bring them together to let's start having a discussion around data and i think i mentioned to you know i was quite quite shocked when the response was uh, yeah this data thing we've been speaking about that for a while we're bored of that now and i was i was you know taken aback by that but i guess what it opened my eyes to was the fact that people that aren't in this industry that maybe not as excited to talk about it as, as we are. Right. Um, and, you know, so, and I can only imagine that's translatable within organizations. You know, if you're not working within a data analytics team or, you know, capability or whatever the case may be, um, you know, so there's a lot of talk in the industry and I know that you've done various events in your time around, you know, being creative with data to kind of, you know, help, help them on that path to humanizing data and, and, and improving literacy. Um, I guess for a lot of people, including myself, you know, I'm pro- I 
you know, hands up, I'm probably the least creative person on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> but what does that actually mean in terms of getting creative with data, you know, and, and I guess how does that tie in from a relationship standpoint between the creativity, the literacy and the humanizing of data? Yeah. Um, yeah, great question there. I did a keynote, um, I think it was about two or three months ago now, uh, with the DMA. And my opening gambit was a play on art versus science. And there was a quote that I put up. Um, it was by Dr. Dan Engel. And it said, data moves science, but it's story that moves culture. And to be specific on this topic, you know, I, I actually think that data professionals are we're kind of pigeonholed into being the data person. You know, we're stereotyped as being analytical, staring at our screens all day and buried in spreadsheets, writing SQL, <laughs> et cetera. But actually, you know, in fact, I think data people are quite creative. Um, you know, we, we create data visualizations, we tell stories, we, we think about data in real world situations. And actually, I find it quite a creative field. Um, and, you know, my, as I mentioned at the beginning, my, my career has typically been sitting within marketing functions. And, you know, to be effective at marketing, you've got to bring data and creativity together. Um, and that's why um, you know, there are so many examples in this space. So, all right, creative with data. Um, I'd argue that brands today can't operate without data and they can't operate without creative. They both go hand in hand. And at Samsung, I worked there, you know, as my last role before I started Hexton. I worked a number of uh, global flagship product launches from the European office. And there was the element of writing CRM briefs. I led DMP operations and, you know, helped to measure end-to-end -end marketing campaign effectiveness via Smart BI, the program that I led. And, you know, across the whole campaign, every single phase, the full marketing tech stack was deployed and data flowing through it from end-to-end. -end. But ultimately what was delivered was impactful creative to appeal to the customers, the hearts and minds. Yeah, you've got, um, you know, a mobile phone has lots of features and benefits, but there's a brand story behind that as well. And that's also what's measured in terms of brand saliency. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you think of uh, creativity, you think of data, you think of humanizing, it's all part of the same ecosystem in my, in my opinion. Um, and, Google actually came up in the news this week. Um, they've been in the press because they spoke about how they're scaling back their approach to tracking people, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, they make a lot of money from, from customer data and making sure the businesses can target customers across their ecosystem. And this sent alarm bells through the industry, the advertising industry specifically, because if Google's pulling back on how businesses can um, target customers, then what that means is the accuracy of the performance of campaigns won't be as strong. So I think the bigger play for Google is that they are demonstrating that um, they're starting to respect customer data more. And that in turn means that brands need to be more one-to-one -one focused. So building one-to-one -one relationships with your customers is absolutely paramount, as we know. And this is also about humanizing data. It's about enhancing the brand. I mentioned brand salience a moment ago. It's about personalization and it's about authenticity and having your finger on the pulse when it comes to that customer experience as well. Mm, yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, I've had a few people on the podcast, so um, 
about a month or so ago now, I think um, we released the, the episode with Lauren Walker, who's the global COO and um, head of digital transformation at Dentsu. And we got into the exact topic around how the big tech players and that landscape is changing uh, the face of digital transformation and how the creativity and partnerships with organizations starting to, you know, buddy up, shall we say, with those big tech players to have access to better customer data, but also maybe in the future with, you know, the world as it is right now in terms of the, how they partner with them to maybe sell their products through them, you know, and which avenues they might take. So, and then obviously the Google thing came out about about a week later, which was, um, which was interesting. I'm not too sure whether that was timely or, or untimely. And then, you know, I've done podcast before with uh, Martin Squires, who I'm sure you'll know, part of the IQ 100, who's big on the whole creativity around storytelling piece. And, and he, you know, he's given me some brilliant examples over the years, but, you know, stuff that they've done from a storytelling perspective at, you know, annual uh, meetings, you know, across the business where they're presenting back to the entire business and they effectively tell a story through data, through the eyes of, the, of the person telling the story so that might be from you know from the the cfo's perspective from the coo's perspective so i guess right. this stuff is obviously going on in organizations and people are getting creative in terms of you know humanizing that element right so it becomes more relatable which is is good i guess obviously part of what you do now as you know going in on a consultancy basis to organizations to help them with this stuff i guess a big part of under, from your perspective is understanding where they're at on that journey, right? And what needs to come next or, or maybe what's happened previously. I imagine that can be quite a difficult thing to actually gauge into, well, I mean, like most things in our industry, right? It's quite difficult to put put a metric on anything, but how do you go about gauging where an organization might be on this journey in regards to, you know, where they're at with humanizing data and their levels of data literacy and how those two things combined? Yeah, it's about, um, so at Hexton, it's about taking, undertaking an assessment to identify the opportunities. So I think we, we've got our framework for what we believe is, what we understand is a great way of approaching humanizing data and uh, increasing data culture. Um, we'd look at low-hanging fruit, uh, but also the longer term as well. And across across the organization, across the, the piece of work, we'd look at data governance and data quality, for example, you know, as as structured as that is, um, there's a way of looking at it through the thread of people. How do people understand the importance of this, for example? And there's also, uh, from a leadership perspective, right, it's getting into the hearts and minds for them so so that their message is being articulated in the right way. There's the operating framework, which of course, you know, there's a big shift towards DevOps and MLOps and AIOps, for example. What does that look like from a people perspective? Then there's architecture. Uh, I mentioned um, Chief Martech and the way they present um, technology. I think organizations could do a very similar job today to make it really clear on what the business is investing in and how the business can reap the rewards from that. Then there's risk. I think risk is always, um, it's a business risk, but also it relates to people too, internally and for customers. Technology, there's behaviors. And I think the last one um, that I wanna raise is mindset. I think mindset is one of the most important things you can do when you're approaching this stuff because it just frames everything else that goes on, all the activities you you put forward and you you talk about when it's um when you're on this journey. Yeah, I mean uh, and uh, all of that makes 
makes sense. And I, you know, again, we, we talk a lot, right. About the whole hearts and minds piece. And we all, you know, it's interesting to me because that little phrase is always coined on the side of the leadership and the executives because it always relates back to buying, but you know, it seems to me it's equally important for the entire workforce, you know, to win their hearts and minds. So they understand why they're doing this, which, you know, drives, literacy and then starts to humanize this whole thing and and so on and so forth really which yeah. you know kind of gets into to, to better results ultimately um, and there was one there was one example that i um i thought about and really contextualized when i was at samsung um i went a little bit old school and brought um forward maslow's hierarchy of needs and i applied it to um just, just playing with the creativity and the human perspective there um, and applied it to Smart BI and how we thought about that. I didn't really share it with anyone um, in, in the business because I thought it was just more for uh, my team and our planning exercises. But essentially, the bottom layer is a physiological, right? So it's about humans having air, having food, having warmth. And from a BI perspective, it's kind of foundational. So, you know, thinking about the core people, the processes, and the systems, the next level up is about safety. So that's about, you know, as humans, we need security, um, we need employment, we need health. And from a BI perspective, that kind of translates to having trust and having training on the platforms and the use cases. The third one is about love and belonging and friendship and family and connection. And, you know, we can quite easily translate that into engagement with the BI program. Um, interaction with the capabilities and building communities across the European region. And then there's, uh, I think the fourth level was esteem. And that's all about uh, respect and status and having the freedom to live your life the way you want. Actually, from a BI perspective, you get a lot of that freedom when you have uh, support from the business. So confidence from them, that comes from business cases being delivered against, it comes from delivering ROI. And then the last one is uh, the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. So that's all about, you know, being your best. And when you think of where BI is now, um, you know, there's there's a lot of improvement that's happening, lots of automation. There's lots of, um, you know, ML and AI built into it. So we, we coined the term from this pyramid is BI to AI. That's how we put it in place. Um, so, yeah, just playing on um on a very old school way of thinking about human needs, but in a, in a relatively modern context. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting because I guess it, again, it seems when you coin it like that, it seems quite logical thing to be able to do and, and very translatable. Right. But again, very few businesses going down that route. Um, I guess something that again, thinking out loud here, Daryl, a little bit, but, be keen to get your thoughts on this because of the whole, you know, when we talk about the hearts and minds piece and we talk about getting buy-in and all of that type of stuff. And I've, you know, been dragged into this conversation many a time with many data leaders and executives and, and, and things like that. But often at the, you know, at the, at the level where data analytics work is getting done, to anyone outside of them four walls, so to speak, within that team, they often don't really understand actually what's happening, right? You know, it's, it's some technical work that's being done to facilitate something. Yeah. Um, but I guess there's this, you know, topic in the industry and talk in the industry about how these people, you know, who are, you know, let's say, I don't know, let's take a data scientist, for example, they, they, they might be great technically, but they need to do more 
or need to do better at the engagement piece and the hearts and minds piece and the influencing and the storytelling and all of that type of stuff that we would deem, you know, softer skills. Yeah. Um, and the flip side of that debate is often around, you know, most data analytics teams, they get a project that lands on their desk, they do that project and they pass it on. And I'm sure it doesn't work like that, you know, um, kind of practically, but ultimately, I guess, you know, kind of work in, work out type of, of scenario. Mm-hmm. Do you feel from a literacy piece and a humanizing data piece, it'd be more beneficial, I guess, for these teams to really truly understand the business drivers, if that makes sense? Because I, I, I feel, and I, I don't see it a lot, but... You know, I kind of just get this impression that if this data science team had some context around why they're doing what they're doing, you know, and not just because they need to build this model for, you know, to look for a, a 1% incremental gain in this, but as, you know, as a business, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sell more of this product or we're going to enter a new market or we want to de-risk something, whatever the case may be. Do you yeah. feel that that, you know, communication, I guess, is really what we're talking about here. But do you feel that that kind of, if you get that piece right, that that trickle-down effect can help to humanize data across the business? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, as an example, I've seen um, data scientists come into one of the businesses I've worked in, being put into a seat and then churning out BI reports, for example, and not having the data at their fingertips to be able to do the great things that they need to be doing. Then they start evolving to doing reporting. And it's just like, you're wasting your talent on this particular role. How do we free you up to do the more meaningful, the more value-driven work? And yeah, absolutely agree that the, you know, the people who are doing the work absolutely need to understand the use cases, the drivers of business, and spend time on the front line if they can. Um, it's it's critically important that you have that broad business experience, and there are there are people. Obviously, data science is a, is a very much growing field in business. There are very much different types of data scientists. You have some who want to be um, forward facing or client facing, as it were, into the business, and there are others that may want to sit in the back end and build the the models, uh, the stats models. But they, they may, there may be others that want to do the innovative work and look at the technology platforms instead. So I think when you're you're looking at you know the different um, types of skills or the skill sets, you definitely need all of them to be really focused on what the business outcomes are and how their work stacks up to deliver those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I completely agree. And I think you know I've probably come in for a little bit of flack on platforms like LinkedIn, you know, from debates <laughs> and conversations that I've got into on on this type of stuff. And you know, my my message is is always consistent that, you know, you need, for, for me, the best performing teams are always the ones that have the blend of skills. You know, you need, yeah, you, there's, you know, I'm not never going to say that there's no, there's no room for just technical people because there certainly is right. And that depends on the business and the team and all that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, I guess just from a higher level perspective, uh, I do believe that if these teams had more context as to what they're actually, what the business goal is really, you know, not, not what their goal is from a data analytics standpoint, but trying to tie that back together, that whole communication piece. Um, I think that we'd, you know, be in a much better, better spot. And I think that also would help them to be able to demystify some of the technical jargon, you know, that the business yeah. users don't understand, which helps to humanize data all around the organization, I guess. Completely agree. And that's where the whole learning management piece comes in. So we have right. uh, Hexton, we have our learning management framework 
Um, and we can put that into a business and it can really work with new people coming into the business, but also for um, an engagement perspective over time. Um, really important. And that, that helps to drive the, um, the, the whole dialogue around data, literacy, maturity, everyone talking from the same song sheet, singing from the same song sheet. Yeah. Yeah. That make, makes perfect sense. So, um, so what comes next? For Hexton, then Daryl, obviously still a fairly new business. Sounds like obviously you've got off to a, a great start doing some exciting work. I'm really kind of keen to see how you guys uh, get on, but what's the what, what's the plan? Yeah, we are we are very much um, all about awareness at the moment, Kyle. Very excited about what's coming up. Um, I'm having some really good conversations with medium and large size enterprises about data strategy, data literacy, and how to improve culture as well. Um, and yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be said for organizations really having the appetite for this now. So really sitting front and center, um, open to conversations about that, and really helping to dial uh, dial up the amount of investment that organizations have into, into this space, as well as the data and the technology specifically. Um, And one example, um, I've partnered with a people analytics company. And what they do is rather than having a once a year engagement survey where you assess how happy or otherwise your teams are across regions, um, you have a longitudinal way of measuring um, their their happiness and their well-being and their performance over time. Um, And incorporates behavioral science um, along with the latest AI and ML capabilities as well. And what it does is it allows businesses to keep their finger on the pulse with their teams. So are teams being challenged enough? Are they being overworked? Are they learning enough? And this all stacks into, you know, how how, um, we can improve the level of maturity of the data within our businesses. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, what's coming up for Hexton. Um, very busy um, exploring all these different options, and yeah, they're very much excited to what's to come. Good. Look, I think it. I think it's a fascinating space that you're in, right? Because I just think there's there's so many businesses out there that have started on this data analytics journey for whatever reason. Projects are failing. They've not quite got it right. And as I said before, often a lot of that comes back to some kind of cultural shift that needs to happen. And that's where, you know, you start to talk about, you know, your data maturity, your data literacy, the humanizing data, the creativity around that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how how you guys get on because I think it's a really unique space and one that it doesn't surprise me that a lot of organizations are interested in that because ultimately, you know, they spent a lot of money trying to do some big transformational projects that might have not have, you know, yielded the results they were hoping for. And now they're trying to fix the cultural piece that, you know, ties all that together, I guess. Absolutely. So. I'm talking to um, CMOs at the moment and um, head of data as well. Because and, and actually a couple of CFOs because they're really interested in how they can focus on their area, but actually it's the the greater goal of of leveling up the business. Yeah, yeah, really interesting stuff. Mm, yeah. So look, if people want to kind of reach out to you, um, you know, keen to work with with you and, and Hexton, or you know, after more information, whatever the case may be, how how's the best way for them to get hold of you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm. Yeah, they're Daryl DeCruz. And also my email address is daryl at hexton.com. 
Perfect. Well, Daryl, thank you very much. A hugely fascinating conversation. I know this will be um, eagerly anticipated. Um, I've had a few people actually message me over the last couple of weeks um, talking about the concept of humanizing data. Um, so that's always a, a good sign. So I'm sure it'll be well received. So yeah, look, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate your time and keen to kind of keep my eye on how you guys get on um, in the marketplace and, and best of luck. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank right. you for having me on. Um, yeah, looking forward to keeping in touch. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Hey.